Hello and welcome to Horror Wars. My name is Lamont and I will be guiding you through this macabre dance of a show where two longtime friends fought horror movies against their inevitable remake. Please be aware that horror movies as a general rule of thumb have violence, gore, murder, rape, dismemberment, crazy practical effects and much more. Also, the hosts aren't versed in languages from around the world, so they may mess up some names and places here and there. If none of that bothers you, then get ready for a podcast like none other. This is Horror Wars. Hello out there to all of our guys, gals, non-binary pals, spooky cuties, hair-raising homies, freaks, geeks, and anything in between with a butthole. I'm Rob. I'm Josh. And this is Horror Wars. Wars. We are the show that puts original horror movies against their inevitable remakes in a all-out war to determine which will reign supreme. We do this with a series of scores that we give to one or the other to see who comes out on top. This week we have House of Wax versus House of Wax. Not only that, but we also have multiple segments throughout the show as well. Death Peddlings, where we discuss current events going on in the world of horror, and sometimes news about us too. Our club is where we review a horror film book club style and, and we'll provide a bit of background before we give it a grading of pass, rent, or buy. And then we get into our list of doom. List of doom. Where we discuss this episode's top five, followed by horrors and gaming, where we talk about horror-related games and then answer questions and leave comments from you in our segment called Our Cursed Ones. And finally, we close up shop with the episode giving you our bloopers in this segment called Even the Dead Laugh. So let's get into it. Let's get into it, we shall. Death Peddling, we begin the show by wetting your macabre loving black heart with news and events in the realm of horror that are important to the week we're recording. Also, every now and again, we'll have something to say regarding the host. But don't worry, it's not very often. We really hate talking about ourselves. Welcome on into the segment, folks. I'm starting it this time. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so, uh, Rob has posted a couple of times. Quite a bit of horror news on the social media website. Yeah. And now we have more news to give to you. Mm-hmm. So, Insidious the Red Door is the official title of the horror franchise's fifth movie. Mm-hmm. F starring in the first two movies as Josh Lambert, we learn in 2020 that Patrick Wilson is returning to the franchise as the director of the upcoming fifth installment. We love Insidious, don't we? Yes, we do. We absolutely fucking love Insidious. <laughs> uh, Insidious Red Door will pick up with the Lamberts 10 years after the last movie. Josh Lambert, Wilson heads east to drop his son Dalton, Simpkins, off an idyllic? Yeah. Idyllic, yeah. Never use that word or read it before. Here we yeah, go. yeah, that's that's. that's... Fucking me, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ivy-colored university. However, Dalton's college dream becomes a nightmare when the repressed demon of his past suddenly returns to haunt them both. This will be Wilson's debut as a director. Scott Teams, Halloween Kills, sheesh, uh, wrote the script based on a story by franchise co-writer uh, Lee Whannell, The Invisible Man, or Saul. Yep, Saul indeed. Uh, it's this Redor release in theaters everywhere on July 7th, 2023. Dun, dun, dun. So, more coming from the summertime, but more than likely in two years versus, you know, this summer. Uh, Stranger Things animated series is coming soon from Netflix. Variety has reported that 
Nearly all details about the show are being kept under wraps, aside from the fact that it was developed by Eric Rubles and Flying Bark Productions. <laughs> Rubles previously created the animated show's random cartoons, Fanboy and Chum Chum. Chum and fantastic. Chum Chum is absolutely fantastic. And Glitch Text. Variety also notes in the report. Um, oh, yeah, I'm reading that like there's more to read, but there's not. Stranger Things creators, the Duffer Brothers, executive produced uh, via upside down pictures, along with Robles of Flying Bark, as well as Sean Levy and Dan Cohen of 21 Laps. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of I was, words. I was say, it sounded like, like one of those, like, uh, uh, what is it? Seashells, seashells by the seashore. Sally, Sally sells she. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. That's what Ooh. that last fucking part felt like. Yeah, baby. So, uh, speaking more, of speaking of Sally selling seashells by the seashore, uh, this is a franchise that I've never really gotten into, except maybe like a, like a season and a quarter. Uh, American Horror Story uh, twelve announced with Kim Kardashian and Emma Roberts starring. Uh, the season 12 will premiere in the summer of 2023. Uh, the first teaser, which cryptically notes that Emma Roberts and Kim Kardashian are delicate. The teaser is also set to a creepy rendition of the Rockabye Baby Nursery. The Hollywood Reporter stated, The season is titled Delicate and is based at least in part on Danielle Valentine's upcoming novel, Delicate Condition. Out in August from Source Books Landmark, the novel is described as a gripping thriller about a woman who becomes convinced that a sinister figure is going to great lengths to make sure her pregnancy never happens. That sentence, totally, I didn't think was going to happen. Because once it got to the make sure pregnancy never happens, I thought it was going to be haunt her or something. Yeah, shit. some shit. No, dude. Um, It sounds like it's got a pretty decent premise to it. Like, I think I'm going to watch this one. But... You said that you never really got into American Horror Story mm -hmm. before. Like, what have you seen? Uh, the the Ro Roanoke. Roanoke, yeah. yeah. That one was pretty ass cheeks, dude. Yeah. You definitely should give other seasons a try, like Murder House or um, Asylum, Coven, Hotel. Those are like the creme de la creme. There's even one um, from 1986 that's like a slasher style. Oh, sure. So, but there's going to be some that you're not going to like. Like, they took two of them and tried to put them together like two seasons ago and it was like story from like season six or whatever and a story from like season eight and they tried to mix it together it just didn't work it was it was pretty booty cheeks i do know that they rotate the cast out to be the, yeah. like the villains and stuff yeah so it was pretty cool speaking of villains i guess i'm gonna be the villain here because uh went and checked out this movie called kill her goats and it was touted as like the return of 80 slasher films like this big fucking behemoth it's got Kane hotter and it is ghost face it's got playboy bunnies it's got nudity it's got gore it's got all that except for the fact that it's got just way too much nudity and like that sounds weird i guess but I guess that's part of the, the 80 slashers is just the nudity. Just the nudity, yeah. Because there was kind of decent practical effects when they were on the screen. We love practical effects around here. Yeah, and the the killers looked really fucking cool when they were on screen. Um, the Playboy bunnies pretty much sucked. <laughs> uh, every scene that they were in was an excuse for them to get into a shower butt naked or... 
get into a predicament where their tops had to come off. I'm, oh, I just started cooking some bacon. I'm going to go hop in the shower now. Yeah, like that's literally like <laughs> they they literally just based the movie around how can we show your tits? Oh yeah, Jesus. So it was pretty god awful. Like it was it was a bad movie. Great. So I'll skip. Yeah. Get there. So a grade of skip. Gotcha. A grade of skip. Uh, I'm definitely not going to watch it again, even if it was on TV or whatever. I, I mean, I don't think it would ever be on TV. Like, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> like, even if sci-fi put it on TV or something, I I, I wouldn't watch it again. So. The war, the reason everyone's here. This is the main segment of our show. We put a horror film against its remake. We go stat for stat, financials, facts, where to watch, synopsis, cast, and everything in between. Afterwards, we grade them both on a scorecard. We tally up those results and we see who wins the day. Okay, so things are a little bit weird with the actual war portion this time. Yeah. We're kind of going back to where we were before, where Josh did the OGs and I did the remakes. Mm -hmm. But for a while now, I've been doing the OGs and you've been doing the remakes. So we're kind of going back to form here, but it's weird. It's it's because we've had a lot of the foreign names and I'm just like, bro, please take that shit. Yeah. Because if not, we'll be here for 20 minutes. Right. So as mentioned at the beginning of the episode we have house of wax versus house of wax and i am super fucking excited to get into this to so be honest with you fun fact about uh i guess the remake because uh i've heard of that film but i've never actually watched the remake the only way that i've i've, I've known about the name was or what i would know from the name is paris Hilton's on it. that's right. all i knew right so i've never seen it so i went into both of these dry oh okay um for me, I knew both of the movies, mm-hmm. but I had never seen the OG House of Wax until a couple days ago. I didn't even know there was a third one. Well, that no. Yeah. the original first. Right. That's going to get into the actual facts oh, of everything. Yes. Oh, the facts, yes. Go so, ahead. we shall begin the war. So, as stated before, we have the House of Wax with a runtime of hour and 30 minutes, and then the OG. Sometimes it feels like it's a five-hour movie. Just saying. Uh, the release date. Really? Oh, we'll, get, we'll get into that. We'll get, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the release date is April 25th, 1953. Produced by Brian Foy. Uh, the production company is non-applicable. Yeah, couldn't find a production company for it. I think it was just Brian Foy that well, sure. financed the whole fucking thing. Apparently, this man had enough to have a budget of $1 million. Uh, USD, sorry. Uh, in the box office, it made back quite a bit. It made 23 Point seven five million U.S. dollars. It made quite a bit back. Uh, the screenplay is by Crane Wilbur and is directed by Andre Detal. Cinematography by Bert Glennon and Paravel Marley. That's a cool name. Uh, edited by Rudy Fair and music by David Butolf. That is a sweet <laughs> last name. Dude, when I was reading that, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh God. It's it's a sweet last name. It's, it's definitely different, but... Uh-huh. But, but, but yeah. uh, where to watch? You can rent or buy House of Wax on Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, YouTube, Apple TV, Vudu, and Microsoft Stores to download. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, ratings, uh, 7.5 out of 10 on Imadiba, uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and 76% on Just Watch. Just Watch, eh? Just Watch. Just Watch, do. The plot, a New York sculptor who opens a wax museum to showcase the likeness of famous historical figures runs into trouble with his business partner who demands that the exhibit becomes more extreme in order to increase profits. Which is funny because that's describing like the first 15 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, related media. Uh, the Wax Works by Charles Belden, which is a novel. Uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum, 1933. So that must be the first one. Uh, Mill of the Stone Woman, 1960. Oh, shit. Chamber of Horrors. Okay. Yep. 1966, which is referenced. And then mm-hmm. House of Wax, 2005, which would be the remake. Yep. Uh, the trivia. 24 more on Imdiba. Uh Number one. Although the film was produced in 3D, ironically... Director Andre de Toth was blind in one eye and hence could not see the effect. That is insane. That sucks for him. And that also taught me something new about my, uh, 3D and blind people. Or at oh, least yeah. It's in one eye. I didn't, oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. There's something new again. Uh, number two. Nedrick Young, who plays the alcoholic assistant Leon, was uncredited because he had been blacklisting during the Joseph McCarthy Red Scare era in Hollywood. What a Russian. Oh. The Russian. They thought uh, he was a spy. Gotcha. Uh, number three, Phyllis Kirk tried to turn the film down since she was under the contract with Warner Brothers. She had no choice but to appear in this picture. It didn't stop her from complaining about the gig. I bitched and moaned and said that I wasn't interested in becoming the Fay Ray of my time, Kirk confessed. Another bone of contention was the 3D format, which she regarded as a gimmick. However, despite the reservations, she decided that playing ball would be preferable to being suspended. And incidentally, I wanted to have... A lot of fun making House of Wax, she admitted. Yeah, so she was a bitch. So the other thing is um, Faye Ray was the star of the original 1933 Mystery of the Wax Museum. Oh, sure. So she didn't want to be the 20-year-later <laughs> version of Faye Ray, which is kind of crazy to begin with but yeah i also didn't realize it was 3d but now i realize why now the, the paddle ball bat uh, or whatever it's called the paddle ball dude okay which yeah. is really fucking impressive by the way yeah yeah super duper um number four while looking for a script for the new gary cooper vehicle yeah andre de toth came across mystery of the wax museum 1933 and had the idea of redoing it in 3d he convinced jack l warner who gave him a budget of uh one million two hundred fifty thousand uh, Detoth finished it in 28 days for 618000 bucks. Damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it saved some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five. In the book, I was a monster movie maker. Phyllis Kirk said she got into a heated argument with director Andre Detoth while filming the scene where she's tied naked to a table. She was wearing a flesh-colored bodysuit to make it seem like she was nude, and Toth kept telling her to pull the top down lower and lower because it was visible in her close-up. Finally, she yelled at him, Andre, I have no bosom. I greatly resemble my father in that department. And if I pull down any further, whatever the illusion will be, I promise you, gone. <laughs> she had no tits. <laughs> uh, hey, and that, that goes to our freaks, geeks, and everything between the buttholes. Yep. We love you all. Uh, number six. Although the paddle ball playing Barker in a clever way of attracting customers, the actual product was not invented until the 1920s after soft rubber was first produced. Holy shit. Yep. Um, according, no, I'm sorry, number seven, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, while this film is far from being the first 3D film or the first in sound or color, it was the first 3D film released with a stereophonic soundtrack. 
While the original stereo tracks are considered lost, it is believed that the clamshell case, in quotes, Warner Home Video DVD used original 4.0 sound mix as opposed to the Snapper Case DVD and Blu-ray release, which used the 2.0 mononeural mix down. <sighs> Number eight. <laughs> Vincent Price had other interests besides acting. He was a connoisseur of fine art and donated some of his collection to East Los Angeles College, where an art museum named for him stands still. Or still stands, Jesus. And he enjoyed cooking, even panaying a collection of recipes for publication. Jesus. Enjoys what? It, it wasn't panay? It's penning. I've also had never You've never it. seen penning what, either? What, in what scenario do people use these fucking words, bro? <laughs> what, what's panaying or whatever the fuck? Penning. What is that? Writing. That's not even... Dude, it's spelled like penning. What the fuck is that? It's just... Like, bro. That is not how I would spell penning. Ever. It would have just been one end, probably. I, I'm, yeah, fuck that. You said my wiener. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> uh, number nine. Number nine. Warner Brothers restoration of this film for a 3D Blu-ray release cost $300,000. Holy shit. The original neg negatives were unusable because of water damage and the Warner Phonics stereo soundtrack no longer exists. Also, warning on my scatterbrainness, I think now I'm almost at 24 hours away. So, you are. Yeah. Um, You're almost done. Uh, number 10. Vincent Price liked to attend screenings of the film Incognito. And the thespian... I, hey, I knew that one. Hey! And the thespian once told biographer Joel Eisner... Eisner. Yep, there you go. He'd regularly go out and see how some wags during its run. I believe for Price, the requisite 3D glasses could usually conceal his identity in the back of a dimly lit theater... But one night, he decided to make his presence known. And at a show in New York City, Price quietly took a seat behind two teenagers. Right after a particularly frightening scene, he leaned forward and asked, Do you like it? In Prince's words, they were right into orbit. I know you still got the cast to do. But is it just me or is like every Vincent Price movie, this motherfucker is like out there supporting himself 1000%. Yes. Do you like me? <laughs> Aren't like... I great? <laughs> <coughs> I like me. I hope you like me too. I will say he kind of carried the movie a little bit. He did. Just, just... He definitely did. I, I one thousand percent will say that Vincent Price carried that movie. He carries like damn near every movie that he's in. Man, it's wild. Vincent Price is like a cinematic god. Anyway, go the ahead. Cast. <laughs> uh, Vincent Price as Professor Henry Jared. Frank Lovejoy's Detective Lieutenant Jesus. Nice, nice title. Sorry, Frank Lovejoy as Detective Lieutenant Tom Brennan. Also, Lovejoy is a brand of uh, machine part. Phyllis mm -hmm. Kirk as Sue Allen and Marie Antoinette. Spoilers. Uh, Carolyn Jones as Kathy Gray. Paul Pinsarini as Scott Andrews. Roy Roberts as Matthew Burke. Angela Clark as Miss Andrews. Paul Can uh, Kavana. Yep. Kavana. Kavana, sure. Uh, that's a very strange spell last mm -hmm. name. As Sidney Wallace, Dabs uh, Greer as Sergeant Jim Shane, Charles Bronson as Igor, a death mute. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, Reggie Rimel as the Barker with Paddle Balls. Philip Tong as Bruce Allison. I'm going to say Bruce Wilson. Bruce Allison. Uh, Ruth Warren as a scrub woman. Reza Royce as Mufflan. Mufflan again. Frank Ferguson as the medical examiner. <laughs> Brandon Rhodes is the autopsy surgeon. Eddie Parks is the senior morgue attendant. Jackie Woody. 
Jack Woody, holy shit, as the junior morgue attendant. I'm fading here. Yes, you are. Uh, almost, Nedrick, almost tag time in. I know. Uh, hold on. I, I got, I'm ready for the hot tag. Uh, Nedrick Young as Carl Hendricks. Leon Averville. Averill, yeah, Jared's assistant. Mary Lou Holloway as Millie. Shirley Whitney as one of Millie's friends. Joanne Brown as one of Millie's friends. Oliver Blake as Promptus patron with a pocket watch. Tag. Oh, Look, shit. Pompous patron with a pocket watch is like the best fucking movie character name I think I've ever heard in my goddamn life. And if I remember correctly, they use him for like one scene. That's when they're like, oh, he looks real. That looks like a real wax figure. And it was a real. He was like, you'd be surprised or whatever. And then yep. that was it. Yep. That shit had me fucking rolling, dude. <laughs> Holy fuck. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> It's Vincent Price and Thriller. Yeah. Um, so we've done the hot tag. Which ha. So now we're going to get into mine. And Josh can close his eyes for a little bit. The most 2005 movie I've probably seen so far. Oh, it definitely fits man. into that like 2003 to 5 era of horror. Yep. So let me take a little bit of water here first. A hundred percent because that was tough for the rest of that. Yeah. 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 So mine is House of Wax, runtime one hour and 53 minutes, a whole almost 30 fucking minutes longer oh than the original God. one, and Jesus Christ, you could feel every fucking moment of it. The original release date was May 6, 2005, produced by Joel Silver, Robert Zemeckis, and Susan Levin, which is, of course, the people from um, uh, Dark Castle Entertainment. Mm, mm-hmm. But um, production companies, Village Roadshow Pictures, Dark Castle Entertainment, budget forty million USD, box office seventy million USD. Screenplay by Chad Hayes and Carrie W Hayes. Are they related? I I would hope so. <laughs> uh, directed by James Collette Sarah. Cinematographer was Stephen F Winden. Edited by Joel Negron and music by John Ottman. So. <clears throat> We've done Dark Castle films. Mm-hmm. We've done a few of them. Uh, they've they did five films in like this era, and four of them were remakes or some <laughs> crazy shit like that. It was fucking wild. Remake productions. Yeah. <laughs> um, where to watch? You can rent or buy House of Wax on Apple i Apple TV, Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft Store, and Redbox as a download. As we yeah. always say. We can't tell you if you listen to this episode five years from now. Five years from now, we don't know if they're going to be on those services or if those services are even going to exist given the landscape of how things are going and everything costs $20 or more for a fucking service. Yep. And I canceled 12 of them this month. So, <laughs> ratings 5.4 out of 10 on MDBDB. 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn, that's a little low. And 64% on Juiced Watches, which is IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Just Watch. Yes, uh, for some reason we turn the other nationalities, I guess. <laughs> Plot, a group of unwitting teens are stranded near a strange wax museum and soon must fight to survive and keep from becoming the next exhibit. Oh. Related media. The Waxworks by Charles Belden, novel, Mystery of the Wax Museum from 1933, House of Wax from 1953, Mill of the Stone Woman from 1960, and Chamber of Horrors from 1966. 
There's 63 more fucking holy bejeebs <laughs> trivia pieces on M. about this god awful movie. Um, <laughs> number one, aside from the title and the setting of a wax museum, this film has no connection to the original film House of Wax mm-hmm. 1953 in terms of plot. Number two, Jared Paldecki and Paris Hilton later appeared in an episode of Supernatural in 2005 together. They also, oh, that also centered around a wax museum. There's even reference to the movie in the episode. Number three, though the film takes place in Louisiana, USA, the film was actually shot in Australia. Louisiana, love that chicken from pie. Number four, in an interview, Paris Hilton was asked if the scene where Dalton, who's portrayed by John Abrams, was filming her character Paige against her will was a nod to the sex tape Hilton. Oh, to the sex tape Hilton responded that the scene was already in the script. <laughs> Number five, Jared Paldecki is one foot taller than co-star Elisha Cuthbert. To make herself uh, appear taller in scenes where her and Paldecki would be filmed together, Cuthbert taped two inch blocks of wood to her bottom of her boots. This was done during scenes where they would be shot from the knee up. But why would they want her to be tall, like as tall as him? Or I don't know. That's that, fucking that's weird. Weird. It makes me feel like she'd have on like the shoes like Akuma wears in Street Fighter. Yeah. 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 It's fucking. That's like, or it's like Frieza wanting to be a couple <laughs> centimeters taller every <laughs> yeah. time he gets his wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> number six names mentioned in the script but not in the film are the roadkill collector Lester. And Carly and Nick's last name, Jones. Chad Michael Murray, Nick, in a radio interview, was shocked to hear his characters finally had a last name and said that it was ongoing debate on set. Weird to think the actors worry about their characters' last names. But the funny thing is, like, if it's in the script as Jones, then how come they didn't know that they had a last name? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they had to read the script, right? Like, Maybe they, maybe it's just like a big sticky tat that says like this is your part. Read it. I don't I don't know. Maybe um, number okay. seven, Brian Van Holt played the role of both Bo and Vincent Sinclair, undergoing an extreme hair and makeup transformation for the latter. Hmm, that's actually pretty good makeup. Cause I didn't notice. Oh really? No, I didn't okay. know. There you go. Boom. Uh, number seven, Brian. Oh nope. Number eight. The film was nominated for three Razzies, including worst picture. <laughs> Worst Supporting Actress for Paris Hilton and Worst Remake or Sequel. The film won, or the film lost Worst Picture to Dirty Love 2005 uh, and Worst Remake or Sequel to Son of Mask 2005. And Hilton won uh, Best, uh, Worst Supporting Actress. You know, it's crazy to me because I didn't mind this movie. I I didn't love this movie, but it was okay. Welcome to Denmark. Number nine, as a result of the on-set fire that destroyed the soundstage <laughs> in January 2006, Village vi, oh, Village Theme Park Management and Warner Brothers Movie World Australia and special effects expert David Fletcher and wax productions for $7 million for negligence over the fire. They settled out of court. Number ten. The film is one of four major horror remakes released in 2005. The other three films are The Fog, Amityville Horror, and Chaos. I have seen Amityville Horror. Oh, you didn't see the Ryan Reynolds one? Uh, didn't we cover Amityville Horror? I know we, I'm pretty sure where we talked about it, but I haven't seen The Fog or Chaos. I don't even know what Chaos is. 
their upcoming episodes. Ooh, yeah. Never again. Um, look at that cast. Look I'm at that cast. Oh man, I'm fucking happy, bro. Elijah Cuthbert as Carly, Chad Michael Murray as Nick, Brian Van Holt as Bo and Vincent Sinclair, Damon Harriman as Lester Sinclair, Paige Hilton as Paige, uh, Jared Paldecki as Wade, John Abrams as Dalton, and Robert Richard as Blake. Stacked fucking cast. Very stacked cast. Right. So now we get to the portion of our show where we talk about how we feel of the movie then we score it we see which one wins and then we kind of put our own twist on things to see what would be like a perfect house of wax the best way i could describe these two movies is that while they share kind of the same theme of using spoilers corpses as the wax figures and stuff they are completely different movies like in every way possible oh yeah i feel like the fucking the original is like an old time old-timey soap opera more than anything right. because i literally at the halfway point it literally pops up intermission mm-hmm. like you can see it dates itself yep and then um just i don't know the, the og feels more like and it's funny too because i'm going to bring up this point if you look at older horror films now do you notice that the killers you see them a lot more through the oh, film yeah. you see them stalking moving yeah. around and then you see them the ones that are more human blend in when nowadays it's like the only time you really see the killer continuously is like the last 20 minutes of the film when you're right. going through the chase or in the shadows right or, yeah. but i mean like where we can see the face and we're yeah. seeing him chasing more than just like a, a three minute kill scene yeah for, this dude was in there a lot of the movie like we saw him breaking the windows stalking shit chasing him down yep. it, it's it's crazy so yep. um i know that you're gonna probably not agree with me judging by how you've kind of talked about things but i really enjoyed the 1953 house of wax i actually did too and here's why i'm stuck really enjoyed it It, it's because and that's why i'm stuck because i liked both okay house of wax remake is definitely the weaker of the two Mm -hmm. um and another thing to point out too around this era of movie did you notice there's always that one character that like has his hat on like really shitty like and a a crappy ass vest and he's like there's always a dude with a camcorder always i wish they would stop like i'm glad they stopped that shit yeah but it's just it's weird they have both parts that i like like the kills were pretty unique and brutal Mm -hmm. for the remake Mm -hmm. like with paris hilton getting the pole through her fucking head which is the most insane shit because that motherfucker's got to be strong to launch a pole through two car windows to her forehead come on dude and one of the most weird things about the remake that i questioned just for the killer's perspective he cuts the dude's Achilles tendon. Yep. When he could have just hit him in the back of the head because he sews his Achilles back together. I yep. get it's to fix the wax thing, but still. And the, the cheek slice, fantastic. The mm-hmm. other kills are a little, a little weak. Yeah. I agree. Um and as to where you you had like different things happen in a movie to let you see the corpses underneath yeah. the wax mm-hmm. in the remake. I didn't think it was as powerful as the nineteen fifty three one. Like I I don't I don't know. Remake focused more on the gore aspect yeah. of that. And then the other one kept it more of this dude just stealing corpses and just using them for wax figures. Yeah, just... he's like killing people, stealing corpses, doing all sorts of crazy shit. That's and... why when we get the scores I can go into more detail. Okay, well, why don't we go ahead and get into the scores and then we'll grade it and then kind of come up with our uh, oh, yeah. own little perfect house of wax. So, acting. 
I gave it to the OJ. I gave it to Remake just because the super fast, like, 1950s, like, hi, I'm Officer, blah, 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 blah. I'm here from 17th Street. I'm here to talk to you. Vincent Price talking? Loved it. When he was on screen, amazing. If I could just pick one actor to beat for acting for me, it would be him. But even like the, the weird ass laughing that Dude, the females do, the or whatever. You know how me and you were talking in our in our pre-show yeah. about Tourist Trap, which is going to be our yeah. horror club. How you're finding out that you're really liking horror movies from different yeah. decades and yeah. this and that. I'm finding out I really like horror movies from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Like, a lot. The sound quality, the way they do things, the way they act. I don't know. I really am starting to dig horror movies from, like, the 50s and and early 60s. And this movie kind of herbs all my nerves in your your words. Uh, Vincent Price is fucking awesome in the movie. Like, really awesome in the movie. You see him a lot in the movie, too. There's some Vincent Price vehicles where you really don't see him that much in the movie, but he commanded a lot of money because he was Vincent fucking Price. You know what I mean? So to see him in this movie and for him to, spoiler for a 75-year-old movie, (laughs) uh, wait, yeah, it's 75 this year in just a few days. Oh, well, shit. Get the fuck out of here. Damn. Okay. So spoiler for a 75-year-old movie. Um, Vincent Price was the 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 wax yeah. killer, and he was disfigured, and he had a wax face on. If he was real, like if he was a real guy with these abilities to make this shit, he'd be the the a billionaire. Yeah. The reveal, like, of his disfigured face, it's crazy that his quote wax mask looked just like him normal. Yeah. It moved everything. It was fantastic. That man was the head of Weta Workshop by <laughs> decades. But yeah, I I don't know. I really enjoyed the 1950s House of Wax. And uh, for the acting, I definitely have to give it to that. Um, for directing, I also gave it to the OG. Directing, I also gave it to OG. Okay. So the so definitely the like I do appreciate the way they went about his desire for revenge more than just like the psychopathic twin and the normal twin, but the right. normal twin's the psychopathic one. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I definitely prefer the direction of that film 100%. Because it feels more consistent than just, like, they're traveling, now they're just getting fucked up, and they're all dead, and now the museum is also made of wax. Killing so, them. writing slash plot, that would definitely go to OG for you then, too. Writing slash plot. It went to OG for me as well, because there was actually a fucking plot yeah. to the OJ. The other um, one is they were going to a football game. Yeah, the other one was they were and they and they were trying to scalp tickets. Yep. Uh, killer or slash killers. I went with OG. That's number five, right? Or four. Yeah, That's number four. Number four. Number four. I also went with OG. I mean, Vincent Price. It, and it also just comes off the fact of the just the remake. It was like trying to be too brutal. The right. random finger cutting off through the grate. Through the grate. Yeah. It, it's just too random. Yeah, I I like like the, they're like how they acted was it was just. Your typical, like, we're the hillbilly kind of killer dudes and yeah. all that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. We've seen yeah. a million We've times. Seen and better. And better, yeah. And better. Uh, casting. Uh, I gave it to Remake because that cast is pretty good. I didn't mind Paris Hilton. 
I'm glad she didn't go with her, like, other persona voice shit. I do like, you know, I appreciate the vintage acting from 50s films, but I yeah. didn't like yeah. this one too much, except Vincent Price. The rest of them were just, eh, to me. Right. We're going to get into that for me in our little creation okay. spectrum here. But the casting for me, even though there was a stacked cast for the 2005 version, there was also a stacked cast for the 1950s version right. for that time. Um, and as I dive deeper oh. into old school horror movies, yeah. I'm finding out that a lot of the people in that movie were just as popular or more popular than your Chad Michael Murray's, your Jared yeah. Paldecki's, your right. Paris Hilton's for that time. Yeah. So... I kind of struggled a bit, yeah. but ultimately because of the star power of Vincent Price and of the other people, right. looking at how crazy old school Hollywood was, I definitely got to give the casting to the old school for me. Yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, that's the whole point of Horror Wars. Yep. We're not going to you know agree on everything. We're and also not going to shit on each other. We're also not going to shit on each other's opinions. Yeah, so uh, soundtrack. I gave it the remake because the new metal bands they got Bro. in that bitch, fantastic. Bro. I gave it to the fucking remake. I had to. When you begin a movie with Deftones, I know you don't like Deftones. Hot take. I, I didn't mind it, but yeah, I don't like it. Hot that. take. Josh doesn't like Deftones. Um, if you want to give any hate mail or anything, <laughs> send it to Podcast at gmail.com. He'll probably wipe his ass with it. I'll just, I'll just mm, give me them salty tears. Give him the salty that. tears. Uh, Josh does not like Deftones. They weren't bad enough. But they weren't bad in that. A little disturbed in there. A little disturbed. Some My Chemical Romance. I was so fucking surprised. Yeah, dude. I definitely gave it. I gave it to the remake as well. One thousand percent. Gorn kills. I gave it to the OJ. I gave to remake while they over brutalized it. The OG was a little too simple. Bunch of like strangulations and hangings and shit like that. Even though I thought it was stupid, the Achilles tendons I'm always a sucker for. Hostile. I talked mm-hmm, to him loving that. Mm-hmm. Back in the archives. Even though the cheek slice, it was nice. It was a different kind of kill because it wasn't from the wound. It was from the shock I found out in an interview because I've been researching right. this shit too. Just, I, I liked the brutality more, but it got a little too corny in some parts. Like right. the weird double dagger decapitation. Right. Thing. But I felt they were a little stronger for my taste for the remake. Okay. Because you know I like them some brutal Yes. I found the act of the suffocation and strangulation in mm. the OG one to be like really good. And then not to mention he was stealing fucking corpses. Okay. Like that's pretty goddamn baller. Yeah. Just waltz into a place and steal some fucking corpses. Did you ever you notice know? though, uh, earlier when they introduce him, like after the, the, the accident, his hands first look giant and all yeah. disfigured. Yeah. But when he's like wheelchairing himself at his new whacking gym, they're normal, the normal size. size hands. Yeah. Uh, Pacing, I gave it to the OJ. It, I don't see. It sucks. This is where I hate the fact that we don't allow ourselves to tie, because when it's, when it doesn't in the in the I'm sorry in the original when it's not like, oh my god I think when the girl goes to the museum at night, I mean I literally timed it. It's five and a half minutes of her just slowly walking with yeah. Igor following her. Yeah. Like, when he gets to that shit, it's a fucking snooze. Like, I had to right. fast forward it. Right. But on the other side for Remake, I mean, it was fast as shit. I like getting to it, but it was like, holy fuck. It was like very slow, and then boom, we're in the mix, and we're done. 
So I, I don't know. It's tough. For me, it was really hard to keep my attention. The movie, the, the, the remake was one of those movies where, like you said, it started off strong. But as the movie was going, to me, it lost a lot of momentum. It lost a lot of steam. It lost a lot of everything. Because that extra half hour, I felt that extra half hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they also, going back to earlier, I feel like for them, for Remake, they were going into like the the porny kind of shit. Yeah. Like we didn't need 700 makeout scenes, which I totally agree with. Right. So I... Like, I want to pick both, but I guess I lean a smidge more. Okay. And I picked um, OG, as we said. So, for time period... I gave the original. I gave the OG because who cares about fucking wax museums now? Like, I, they were all the rage back then. Like, I mean, we still got the bigger wax museums, but... But that's what I'm saying. Time period for me yeah. for OG fits because those were at least an attraction back then. Right. That was like, woo! So, right. I feel like it would be... Right. Make more sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, an environment... I give the OG. I give the OG too because I feel like a wax museum and yeah, time period environment, you know, would match. And I really hated in remake that the wax museum was also made of wax. Yeah, like everything in the, the museum, everything in the museum was made of wax. And I'm pretty sure the fucking town was made of wax too. Yeah, that just it literally made no sense. Like I know it's a movie and it's supposed to be based on fiction, but holy shit, is that really realistic? You're gonna make everything out of wax, right? I'm surprised the fucking car wasn't wax and the dog. Right. No, I, I agree. So, um, so what was your score then? How much did you give OG? I have a tie. You have a tie? Five five. Well even though you have a tie, I had nine one. Okay. Uh OG took it away for me, man. Absolutely just fucking washed. See, it, it's rough too because even though it's a remake, they're not even it's not even the same movie. They're not even the same movie because as we kind of alluded to throughout the episode, House of Wax is actually a remake. Yeah. Like the nineteen fifty-three is a remake of another movie. Uh, I don't remember what the name of it is right now, but it's it's in the earlier part of the episode. Yeah. Go back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a remake of a 1933 movie mm. which the 1933 movie and the 1953 movie are dead bang of Same. each other okay yeah just some names were changed yeah. because in the 1930s oh lo and behold let's 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 come up here to 2023 where you know people are getting upset that you can't say certain things anymore from the 1930s to the 1950s, dialect and language changed there too. So they had to take a lot of stuff yeah. out that was in the 30s that were deemed offensive in the 50s. Yeah. So this isn't something that's new. Right. We've been dealing with language changes for years. Suck it up. Um. So for my perfect House mm-hmm. of Wax, okay, I would take the cast of the night of the 2005 one mm-hmm. put them into the 1953 with Vincent Price as the killer so all your teenagers would be in the movie mm-hmm. and it would be kind of like a uh, a mixing of plots okay where you would have the teenagers kind of discover the place this and that mm-hmm. you know but it wouldn't all be made of fucking wax <laughs> and they would then 
be looked at like how he looked at, at his uh Marie Antoinette. Yeah, yeah. They would be looked at like that and he would try to go after them. You know, because the Marie Antoinette part was pretty good, but I think like trying to teach teenagers a lesson in the 50s <laughs> would have been really fucking fun. And also I would definitely put like the new metal soundtrack to it. <laughs> yeah. it but it would be more modernized yeah. 1950s. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. it would be a movie made in 2023. You know that was made in 2023. Yeah. It, the effects of 2023, all that. But with kind of like a element of the 1950s and, you know, the music from the early 2000s. I think that shit would be dope as fuck. I am going to do something a little different for this part. Oh. I think both movies are fine on their own. Okay. I think them as being remakes and stuff, but being their own movies without doing like a um, psycho, you know, where it was just basically copy paste or even funny copy games paste, from last. Funny games, yep. And last so one. I feel like they'd be okay. Yeah. By, but just by themselves, I feel like they're perfectly fine. But I will say before we get out of here with the war portion is I just love in the beginning of OG that that fight in the fire scene oh, was God. like 10 minutes long. It was like 10 minutes long. And bro. that choreography is shit. You can see them yeah. no selling like wrestlers yeah. in that scene. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. It's great. I would say watch both. I think they're fine by themselves, but I don't think I can make a perfect one. I like your version. I think okay. it's good, but I think they're good with standalone movies. All right. Well, there you go. There's the war. There's the war. Horror Club. Each episode, we pick a film that complements the war. We then review it under a series of categories and ultimately tell you whether we think you should pass, rent, or buy. Oh, look at you, looking all pretty and stuff. Welcome back to the episode. Oh yeah, it's a uh, horror club sandwich time. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we have tourist trap that we're going to be doing an early charles band film full moon pictures it's a charming movie but it's it, definitely it's goop. it's <laughs> definitely what the fuck um so the release date was march 14th 1979 runtime of one hour and 30 minutes budget of 300 yeah you feel it budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars. box office none because it was on television production company charles band productions mm. Produced by J. Larry Carroll. Screenplay by David Schmeller and <laughs> J. Larry Carroll. Uh, directed by Jerry Schmeller. Schmeller, whatever. Schmeller. Cinematography by Nicholas Van... No, Nicholas Von Steinberg. That's a cool fucking name. Cool. Edited by Ted Nicolo. Oh my god, this sounds even cooler. And music by P... Hino Danagio. That is a cool fucking name. Oh my god, I read it as Pino Dongio. 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 So, plot. A group of stranded teenagers fa- falls prey to the demented owner of a roadside museum and his army of evil mannequins. Telekinetic mannequins. Starring Chuck Connors as Mr. Slauson. Slauson. Captain America. Played Captain for the America. Cubs, the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Shalar Kobe as Davia. Okay. Jocelyn Jones as Molly. John Van Ness as Jerry. I read that as Jiren. Jiren. <laughs> Robin Sherwood as Eileen. Let's hope we don't come on her. <laughs> Tanya Roberts as Becky. Dawn Jeffrey Nelson as Tina. 
uh, Keith McDermott as Woody, and Linnea Quigley as a mannequin, uncredited. The must-read film fact. The mannequin who gives the female lead something to drink is actually director David... What would you call him? Schmeller. Schmeller. <laughs> uh, Schmeller's then wife. The mannequin originally had two lines, but Schmuller had them edited out during post-production. She then never forgave him for that and divorced his ass. Yep. I added that last part on. <laughs> divorced his ass. Um. So, yeah. Uh, if you guys, gals, non-binary pals, and speak cuties, hair rays, and homies, and everything in between, but hold don't know. Now, at this portion of the show, we do our talking points for everything. Much like with the rest of the, you know, the war segment, we go on acting, directing, writing, slash plot, killer, sound, uh, casting, soundtrack, <laughs> core, slash kills, and pacing. So it's a little bit shortened, um, but we also do the review afterwards, like book club style, where we will give it a grading of pass, rent, or buy, mm -hmm. which um, we have a couple people that have suggested things for the pass, rent, or buy. Oh, sure. Once I get a little bit more, mm -hmm. I will then kind of present a list to you, and, and we'll go from there. So, uh, the acting. What do you feel about the acting in Tourist Trap 1979? It was okay. It was, it was like, to the level of <sighs> sleepaway camp. I would say, yeah. Not bad. <laughs> not, not good. good. Just me. <laughs> it was there. The funny part, I'm just going to say about the ending to this movie, like, without telling the whole thing, her just driving away, weirdly smiling with her mannequin friends in the car is the weirdest shit because it looks like she's <laughs> smiling and it's a freeze frame ending for a horror show. Yeah. Because fun fact, another fun film fact, is this was rated PG. Yep. And that's how it was able to play on television. Yep. It was the, it was the first r-rated pg so, pg-rated yeah. PG horror film if that, i'm not mistaken yeah. or something um postcode or some something. shit yeah i don't remember and the the kills are very tame so we'll be oh, very later. Tame. yeah uh, directing eh. schmeller was all right was there really a direction no it, it literally starts out with a dude pushing a tire to a fucking yeah. abandoned place yeah uh writing slash plot yeah. <laughs> same old shit just another basically I mean, a leather face but with a psycho twist yeah Tele telekinetic psych because he wasn't he wasn't telekinetic and psycho was he no no but what i mean is that how he was the brother both brothers yeah how yeah, he yeah. just put on the mask yeah kind of like how in psycho he uh norman his was mom. his mom right kind of like that yeah okay um yeah. meat sauce uh the killer pretty cliche already by that point and it was the I mean, he did have telekinetic powers though and he yeah, manipulated the mannequins but what did they really do except for laugh and he, yeah he did they laughed and kind of talk shit that was about it I don't yeah think they, they made you feel really bad about yourself oh the only one that was kind of cool was the knife to the back of the head yeah because that one yeah. that and the practical effects on the mannequins were fucking amazing yeah that's about the highest point of that movie yeah um the casting it was pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Besides the uh, what was his name? Chuck Connors. Chuck he was Connors. Pretty good. Linnea Quigley. But of course, you know, you couldn't credit her for some reason. But it just it, again, it was, you could tell it was early careers and stuff. So, yeah. Eh. Yeah. Uh, soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Was there even a soundtrack? I I, I, I promise you, I didn't even hear. The I think there was one song that played over and over again. 
Probably just the shrieking. <laughs> gore and kills. And there was no gore, and the kills were kind of schmeat sauce besides the mm. knife in the back of the head. Yep. Um, and pacing. Oh my god. It fucking. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. What what was it? The uh, the kills, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny how he can use all these psychic abilities, but he couldn't stop an axe to the neck. No, that's that's facts. That's facts. So yeah. Um. I kind of enjoyed this movie for what it was, but I wouldn't watch it again. It's a charming old film, but it's definitely worth a, like a one and done. Right. Um, I think one of the coolest aspects for me is the fact that he was making the puppets for Puppet Master. Yeah. While the, the movie was being produced and directed and everything. And a couple, I forget their names, but a lot of the people that worked on the film also went on to work on the original um, uh, The Hills Have Eyes and uh, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. So, and one of the guys, I'm sorry, that worked on the soundtrack that I just remembered also did the soundtrack for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. So, so <clears throat> we have we have pedigree in the movie. Right. It's just it's just them some of together. them are yeah some of them are pre career some of them are post yeah big portions of career like in some went nowhere nowhere at all. <laughs> so again, I have one thousand billion percent respect for Charles Band yeah. Productions, Full Moon, and all that. Right. Uh, they actually follow us on Facebook, so that's pretty fucking that cool. That is fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, but your that film was right, right. Uh, it wasn't. Look, it's bad, experimental. It was experimental. Right. That's that's the best that I could say about it. It was experimental. It's worth it to watch rent it and watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't say pass on it. I wouldn't say buy it. I would say this would be a solid rent. Um, and they also have to understand we are kind of is critiquing. Yeah, it's our show pretty much. Yeah. So. It, but you're also looking at a movie from 1979. The, and they were being very experimental. They went on to do the Puppet Master movies. They went on to do Doll Man and fucking Toy Man and Demonic Dolls. and Puppet all, Master's fantastic. Like, they went on to do really fucking great movies. But you can tell this was their start. This was their start. And you all start somewhere. So with that being said, I think it's a solid rent. Uh, Agreed. If you can get it on the R's, get it on the R's. If not, then rent it. It's like two ninety nine. Yeah. So, right. That. The list of doom. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It's a top five list of movies, characters, events, music, or anything in between. Oh yes, welcome to the list of doom. Josh is like low-key favorite part of the show because he gets to do of doom <laughs> uh, so yeah this week is our obviously the list of doom is our top five like has been described early in the show thank you lamont uh this week or usually every week we have a top five um of some topic related which we only really started doing recently yeah uh but i feel like it brings the yeah. episodes together a lot more like when you do a whole episode that kind of like has a has a, a theme. theme yeah so this week, of course, is the top five masks in horror. Yep. So uh, would you like to start with yours? Yeah. Um, and weirdly enough, for the first time ever, mm -hmm. Josh and I not only have honorable mentions, but we have the same amount. The same amount of honorable mentions. We literally could have done a top, top ten. ten. Yeah. Uh, because both of us have a top eight, mm -hmm. which is fucking ridiculous. It also made me realize of how many masked killers i know right and especially now since watching all these films which yep. is fantastic because it helps me have a, a more unique one than just being like jason you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah you get my point 
So number eight for me is The Grabber from Black Phone. Ooh. Oh my god. Yeah, bro. That would have been number nine. There's if there's a iconic mask of the 2020s, yep. that's it, dude. Because it's it's portioned. It's not just one mask. It's it's what, four or three different masks in one. As the uh, the story goes on, each part seems to be taken away. It's weird, but it's it's perfect. It's a great fucking mask. So the grabber mask is phenomenal. What's your number number eight? My number eight uh, is actually one we added to our hidden gem list that you said that I should watch. Is actually the collector's mask from the collector. And how did you like it? I didn't realize I've actually seen that movie before. Really? I just didn't know the fucking title. I love that movie. So do you think it should be? It a should hidden? be. In, it should be. In. Did you? Are you adding it to the hidden gem? I, I already put it. Oh, on. you did? You didn't tell me you did. Damn. Okay. That's yeah. I'm saving it for this. Okay. Fantastic. Good shit. Number seven is Jigsaw's Pig Mask from the Saw franchise. I feel like you just had me in mind for that. You're like, yeah. I love that costume. A lot of you, a lot of you don't know this because we've expanded a little bit more, but I was in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I was in a movie called Dead House. I played a character called The Butcher. I wish my costume was as cool as Pigface's costume. That was still pretty cool. That was still pretty cool. But, dude, that fucking, that mask is just sick as fuck. And they make it look like the pig was sick. Yeah, let me make the mask yeah. out of it. So, what's your number seven? So, my number seven is the the smiling mask of the leader from the first perch. Okay, they all had different ones, but his specifically, yeah, is probably one of my most favorites because masks like that that have an expression of happiness and horror that I can't see the person behind it freaks me out. And the first time I watched the purge, it freaked me the fuck out. Hey, hmm. fuck it. number six for me is chrome skull from the laid to rest franchise okay that one i don't know okay it's literally just a chrome skull (laughs) but the thing is the dude's a fucking assassin and he's dead okay oh yeah it's it laid to rest is a phenomenal series it's let me let me tell you what it's on on the level of it's on the level of hatchet Oh, I'm watching. This is yeah, this okay. is my hatchet. Okay. Okay. You love hatchet as much as you do. I love laid to rest as much as you love hatchet. Which we've talked about in the archives. Right. Um. Why don't we make hatchet a hidden gem, or do you think it's well too well known? I see. Me personally, I say it's a hidden gem because I never heard of it, and I love that. So I could add it if do you think so because you have more knowledge than me. Um, so. I think I could put in my own personal gem list, but do you think it belongs? I in think at least the first hatchet belongs in the hidden gems. Okay, because mm-hmm. it it kind of brought a different style of horror to the forefront, and Kane Hodder like was phenomenal in the movie. But I want you to watch the Laid to Rest, at least Laid to Rest 1, because okay. I think it deserves to be in the Hidden Gems. Okay. Okay? So, to the list. what is your number six? Okay, my number six is, give me two seconds, because I had to write that down. Yep. Uh, my number six, and this is kind of like a, a collective one, because I enjoyed them all, from your next, uh, The Tiger, the Fox, and the Lamb. Okay. That yep. is, that's, that's the dope masks. That is another type of home invasion kind of film that's brutal as fuck uh-huh. borderline stuff film 
Yeah. Uh, proceed with caution, but Your Next is a is a great film, but it is definitely one of those. If you're triggered by shit like that, be careful. Yep. So now we're gonna get into our <clears throat> as we always give a chills tribute. Our tap five. Listen to you. Listen to So, my number five is Sam from Trick or Treat. My number five is Sam from Trick or Treat. I love simplistic masks. It's just a cute, and we talked about this like episode three of Horror Wars. Yeah. It's just a cute little dude. Yep. In a fucking giant potato sack mask. And it's a, it, it's a cute, creepy kid. Yeah. We've talked about trick-or-treat well, plenty of fucking times. Whatever. Yeah. All right. So, damn. Um, My number number four is Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Ooh. Which one, though? Do you have a specific or just in general? Specific one would be probably the, uh, the remake from 2003. Oh, yeah. That mask in general. Uh, that would be the same for the rest of my top five mm-hmm. i do have specific ones in mind but the overall ambiance and presence of those masks mm-hmm. are that's it boom cut and dry but yeah number four for me is leatherface from the texas chainsaw massacre franchise very nice my number four is specifically the jason x mask <laughs> from jason x <laughs> and i love that film and everyone fucking hates it so there's two hot takes today. Josh does not like Deftones, mm. and he loves Jason X. So People are probably shitting on me. So uh, if you have any any type of hate towards him, uh, I will post a picture of him today. Please don't. <laughs> and you can direct your hate there. Or, or you the can Deftones send us, are fucking amazing. Or you could send us hate mail at gmail at uh, horrorwarspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> so here's where things are gonna get a little controversial i think okay number three is ghostface from the scream franchise and no one was shocked i thought that was gonna be your number one I'm i not gonna lie to you. yeah i know i know i get it i get it but when you know what my number one is you're gonna understand why ghostface was number three okay and specifically honestly the billy loomis degenerated mask from scream six okay is well the billion stew Mm -hmm. because that costume that goes along with it that's the that's the bodega Mm -hmm. one okay or no that's not the bodega one that was from scream two they left never mind never mind i'm not i can't spoil it because the movie's only about a month old Mm -hmm. so if you don't know you know a little bit, but I'm not going to spoil too much there. But yeah, specifically that that one. So what is your number three? My number three is the masks of the killers from The Strangers. Oh. Again, another group one, but I couldn't pick one specifically. Okay. The Again, each mask kind of fit, like we talked about the past, basically two episodes of that show, Sucking It's Wiener. Uh-huh. Um, or Clinton Bowles. Um <laughs> Just each mask would show the difference of killer they were and how they went about their day and right. how creepy they were. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, that's that's fine by me. Number two, Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th franchise. Just in general? Big bubble like all of them? Uh, no, specifically uh, the six, seven, and eight Jason masks because they were all a continuous story. Yeah. <clears throat> so Jason lives and takes Manhattan and uh, all those that mask and that look of Jason is what I 
associate with Jason. He was like six foot seven. So that mask was just that dirty, grimy, you know. You but can yeah. see the, the battle damage to the movie. Yeah. So those are the specific ones that I like. But Jason Voorhees is number two. My number two. I already I don't even need my phone. My number two. Number two. Is the big mask from Saw. Ah. That again was one of the the big like ooh I like hard uh, gore right. torture porn fucking two thousand five era. Those fucking masks were terrifying when they do the flash of the um the Polaroid cameras and that shit. Yep. Goes, and, in your face. and it's screeching like a pig at you. Yeah. So yeah. So my number two is the pig mask from or pig head or whatever from yep. the Saw franchise. And my. Number one mask of horror films is uh, Michael Myers from Halloween franchise. What a more iconic mask. What a more iconic mask. And I understand that Scream rebirthed Slasher, but by all intents and purposes, I know there was a couple Slashers before Halloween, but Halloween is exactly yeah. what it did. It it made slasher films i can't put scream at number one knowing that halloween exists Mm. and it was the birth of all of it so there you go that's my number one what is your number one my number one is the the pretty lady leather face oh pretty lady leather face oh shit something about that deranged ass like Obviously, the mask and the smeared on lips, the, the, yeah, and the eyeliner, and just and all the, that. the freaking out towards the end of that film. I that's probably one of my favorite masks, of that dude. Specifically, no, I, I here, high five on both of our lists very because nice, both nice. of us had like fantastic lists. Very I, nice. I, I like both of them. Um, yeah, there's really nothing else to say, dude. Hey, man, I, I just, love. I love how different we're becoming as we go on yeah. our horror journey together. Like, because when we started this, you probably would have been more in line with my top five. Yeah. But because you've seen so many more now, yep. you're just like, fuck it. I'm going by what I love. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I absolutely fucking love it. I have more than the arsenal. This way, my, my top fives don't kind of seem like repeats anymore. Because now I can, I have so many to think of. That, right. Hey, there we go. Right. Hell yeah, man. All right, let's get ready to go into the segment that you suggested for today. Oh, yes. After we hear Lamont's creamy undertones. Take it away. But I don't feel like smiling. Horrors of gaming. Each episode, we pick a theme to go along with the rest of the show. It can be a list dissection or a game that stands out for us to discuss. And here we are. We're coming up towards the end of the show. We only got one more segment to go. Hey, 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 yeah, after this. Um, And we don't have bloopers today, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, we would have, but now. We would have, but okay. So uh, real quick before we do this, I lost my PC today. Or no, not today, but earlier this week. And then I was operating on a Chromebook that Vinny the Fixer had given me. Okay. Brand new out of the box. And I guess what we do is too powerful for it, you know, um, usage-wise. So we couldn't run the Chromebook. It froze, and we had to record, like, the first two segments of the podcast over again. 
Which uh, kind of was okay because, man, we flubbed a lot. We did. And those would have been good bloopers, but Those yeah. would have been good bloopers, but yeah, we flubbed a lot. R.I.P. the dream. R.I.P. the dream. So we're not going to have a blooper segment this week, which is going to lower the episode by like 10 minutes. Which kind of sucks because I really right. enjoy the I enjoy it. I, yeah, I enjoy it too. But unfortunately, that's not going to be there. Um, so Josh had come up with a really interesting idea for horror games. I know that we try to match the theme of everything, but it's kind of hard to match a theme of this, like a wax or masks, masks and it's stuff like that. There's a, there's a couple out there, but what are we going to do? Like a top five? No, yeah, I mean, it'd be like three people. Right. So Josh's idea is better said by him. I think because he came up with it, I would like for him to. So say. it's kind of like a two part question. The first one is when it comes to horror games, what tropes are you kind of tired seeing or tired of like the gameplay mechanics? Like an example I would say for me is I'm tired of horror games where your stalker or whoever you're fighting in the game, um, you have weapons. I don't like the fact you have like shotguns and pistols. I want a more realistic one where maybe you're running, you know, with all the time, kind of like an outlast. Okay. But to where you can maybe use like, a piece of wood to hit them once and kind of stun them and that's it and they're on your ass the whole time so like resident evil 2 remake was great for you resident evil 2 was good but i would have preferred like yeah as a matter of fact yeah with, with uh, mr x with mr x chasing you the whole time and the reason and my other question to go along with this is what would you create that's new to kind of get rid of the tropes you're tired of or maybe a newer horror game to you okay so like i said it would be a bit of an outlast game where you're being kind of you're you're basically weaponless. You have no way of attacking. You just have to escape, block doorways, and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of tired of having some form of way to fight back that's too strong. A shotgun, a rocket launcher, kind of the way RE4 went. Where I get you had pistols and ammo in the originals, but they were very scarce. Right. Most of it was with a knife. Right. It was still more action-oriented, but I would kind of prefer to not have like an easy way out or a way to... Because den- having weapons, to me, takes away the scariness of hard. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. So it makes it more like action horror than a horror game. Okay. So I can understand that. Um, so I guess what what tropes are you kind of tired of seeing in horror video games? Start. Well, for me, this is kind of a little bit difficult because I don't play too many horror games, okay. which is weird mm-hmm. because I'm such a horror fan. But that's what the the cool dichotomy about you and I is right. is the fact that you started off playing horror games mm-hmm. and got into horror movies. I have always been horror movie and I've kind of started dabbling into horror games yeah. a little bit, but not, not much. I really don't know okay. of any horror troops. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the table because you as a avid horror gamer okay. could definitely speak on, on the tropes that you're tired of yeah. where I could speak for days on the tropes that I'm tired of for horror movies. Right. You can actually get to spit your venom on right. this on a topic that you know a lot about. Right. So I really wanted to give you the floor on this so that way you could expunge or expound your your knowledge onto everybody and what your <clears throat> things are. Well, to, to go into the what I could create that's new in, in a sense for that part right now is... Kind of like a Dark Souls, but again with horror, but you don't have weapons. You're either chased or you have to block off and defend and sneak. 
So, wait a minute. How would you do anything then? Because those fucking monsters and Dark Souls and... I'm not saying there's enemies everywhere, okay. but I mean on the hard scale of like there's okay. no save points. Okay. Maybe you can find a checkpoint here and there. Right. But it's not open world. You you could be in a house. You could have it all connect. You know, mm. levels even if you want. It doesn't have to be the same person, but I think I'm thinking of like an Outlast mixed with Dark Souls. Because in that, all you have is a camera, uh, excuse me, a cam, yeah, a camera that has night vision, but you can't attack. All you can do is run. Right. You have to run past and kind of juke people and move stuff to block doorways and whatnot, but you have no way to fight back. Okay. But if you gave me the difficulty of a Dark Souls to where you can't just, like in Resident Evil, uh, you can just run into a save room and be safe. Right. Or there's like sections to where the enemy can't get you or something like that. I would even prefer them to grab you through the wall. And even hold you back for a second. Good jump scares, stuff like that. Because while we have our Outlast, it's not really a difficult game. It's kind of just, yeah, just run in a straight line yeah. and run through a door. Right. So that, that's what I would think of with something, quotations in there. Tropes, too many save rooms, too much, too many weapons. Um, they, they, they make it seem like every person in the horror, when, when you're the main character, you're just a super soldier, no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Resident Evil, even like, Small indie games. It's always like you're just this fucking warrior, like off ripping an apocalypse. Okay. So yeah, those are some of the tropes I would kind of get rid of. But if I did, it would kind of kill horror games. But some of them are just overplayed too much. Okay. How do you feel about like jump scares in horror games? Do you think they're used too much? I feel like when there are jump scares, they're kind of just the same cliche ones. If it's a first person kind of horror game, it's you know you walk up to a door and you can't walk through it or unlock it, so you have to turn around and boom, they're there. Okay. One of the best ways I can describe uh, jump scares being done right would be the PT demo, mm -hmm. which you've seen. Mm -hmm. They've had you've had that ghost woman appear in front of you. You can see her peeking over the banister. She's just up. there, yeah, like random places. She's peeking things. through doors. She's outside of windows. When you're walking through and you see her shadow in front of you, you see her like walking behind mm -hmm. you, but she's not there. That's the perfect way for me to for jump scares. But the cliched ones, that's another trip I could get rid of. Okay. So as I was sitting here listening to you talk and think about everything, I think a new type of horror game that I would like to see mm -hmm. would be one that played out like a horror movie. So like an Until Dawn. Have you ever seen that, those? I've heard of them, but I've never played them. I actually have Until Dawn, but I never played it. If you get bored, I was, and, and you don't want to hop on Destiny, I think you would love that game. But the thing is, is it like an hour and a half? Because oh, well, okay, no. The what I was gonna say was, I would like the story to be driven by the killer. Ooh. So you're playing as the person that's running around the world and this and that, but you're trying to outwit the killer or something that's coming for you, and the story is driven by what the killer does next. So you have to figure out what's coming next. If you want to play, I suggest watching a playthrough, no commentary, and the okay. movie version of Until Dawn, because you got your movie, you got your game right there. Gotcha. All right. So is that yeah, where we're gonna yeah. where we're gonna live with this? Okay. So what would be a fantastic suggestion for you of like games that you love? Real quick, before to, we to get recommend out. Um, yeah. just right now, Outlast Two is better than Outlast One. Outlast Two, okay. Until Dawn, Heavy Rain. Is mm -hmm. also the same style of Until Dawn. Those three right there are your more movie style horror games. Okay. 
to where it's not run and gun shooter shit. All right, cool. And you control the dialogue. Oh. And all of them. I like that. And you get choices to where, and until dawn, if you take too long, like if there's a sequence where you have to press like a, a, a QT sequence where you have to press mm-hmm. like randomly square, triangle. If you take too long and fuck up once, maybe a character dies. Get the fuck out of here. Or if you pick up, you know, this wrench and bring it with you, later in the, the game, it could kill, have this character die, but if you gave it to that character, they would live. Oh, shit. Shit like that. So okay. it's got replay value. So okay. Until Dawn will be your game. All right, I'll check it out. I will. I promise. Everyone else, yeah. Okay. Outlast 2 and Until Dawn, those are 100% your more horror movie games. Okay. All right. Bet. That's it. That's the segment. Woo. Our cursed ones. We answer questions and read comments by you, the ones who keep us going. Welcome, our cursed ones. Yes, our cursed ones. So, we've got a couple today that we would like. Again, I could have done more, but because we got a good surprise this week, I chose to only do one from a previous person that has um come into the show and talked about it Mm -hmm. they went back and listened to episode 40 you know all the new changes all the new stuff and that is lewis m marin and he said listen to the podcast and i'm happy you guys are transforming yourselves and the future looks great the new voice and name segments fit really well and we're glad you guys like it yeah, absolutely. 1,000%. Anybody that I've heard commentary from since we changed everything in episode 40, it's all been just nothing but positive feedback. Very nice. So that's like super duper dope. Um, and thank you everybody that I've heard from that have liked everything because obviously uh, we do this for y'all and our intentions every episode is to provide stuff that we think you would love. Some entertainment. Yep. And the other big thing, Josh, I'm going to let you read this. Okay. So, <laughs> we have been uh, shouted out. Yeah. Very much. I, I think I think you're a better spokesperson for this, because I'm just going to stutter over okay. everything. Okay, so Macabre Daily. Uh, every week in April, they're doing Appreciation Week for right. horror content creators. And we were chosen this week along with the Horror Files and Haunts to be featured on their website and on their Instagram page. So also shout outs to them as well. So also shout outs to them as well. Haunts is a uh, podcast that is a one woman show Mm -hmm. and she does stories uh, about horror and everything. I've listened to a few of her episodes, like maybe five or six so far. Mm -hmm. they're, They're really good. Um, and the horror files, I unfortunately haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but because of this, I am going to listen to them. more podcasts to add, more podcasts to add to the list. Yeah. So hopefully everybody <laughs> the list of doom. So hopefully there's people out there that discover our show through macabre daily and welcome to those. Yes. And thank you to macabre daily for 100%. shouting us out. Yes. Um, we really appreciate that. You know, on the website, there's a nice write up about us and everything. So, and also the other two people, the other two shows that were featured. So please go check out those shows. Check out Macabre Daily. Give them some clicks. Give them a like. Give everybody a like. Horror needs to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, Suffering Plague is also a page on Instagram that will just post everybody's top fives. 
Nice. Like, and he's gr- gaining so much ground on this. It's awesome. Nice. So when you get a chance, I need your top five. So that way I can of... top five horror movies. Your top the ones that we did for horror one that we just did? Okay. Yeah, you never sent me the list. Oh, fuck. So, <laughs> so either way, thank you very much yes. to everybody. You know, Horror Wars keeps surprising both Josh and I. We, we keep getting... You know, bigger and bigger stuff that we kind of never thought but wanted to happen. We definitely love this project. Yeah, 1,000%. We love doing Horror Wars. We love doing Horror Tube. The research, the stuff that goes into it. When it's Horror Wars week, I get so fucking happy because I get to do my research and watch my mm-hmm. movies. When it's Horror Tube week, I get super fucking happy because I could just go hang out at my best friend's house and get high. And, and we just get the chill. We just get to fucking chill and talk. It's It's, you know, really good things. So, again, thank you to everybody that has listened from the beginning or just, just started. started listening now mm-hmm. because of Macabre Daily and, you know, all the stuff that we're getting here. Uh, we super appreciate it. And um, we'll see you back two and two. Well, I just want to add in a little bit oh, yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, throughout the um, throughout the week, to show how much we, we love doing the show for you guys, me and Rob, when we talk through the week messaging each other, it's usually about the show. Right. It's when I it's when I finally arrive here at his place or he arrives at mine. We kind of just take about an hour or two just to bullshit and yeah. and talk about stuff not related to the show. Right. And then we somehow still talk about the Let's show. Talk about the show. Yeah. And then here we are. So yep. again, we just we love you guys. I mean, we're just <clears throat> around and we got more to come. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's at least like another hundred fucking horror movies that have been Jeez. made. And by the time we get through those, I'm sure there'll be more remakes. Yeah, so. there'll be way more remakes. So the and, last what was it, last shift or call yeah, or whatever. Malum and all that. Like mm-hmm. yeah, last shift and Malum. So that's gonna be coming up soon. Um. Anyway, so yes. next week, uh, you'll listen to us on YouTube Hard after tube. Horror Tube after we're done seeing Evil Dead Rise. Place. Obviously, we don't have a showtime that we're going to yeah. for that yet, but you're going to listen to us on Sunday. More than likely, the whole episode is just going to be us, as we said earlier, slurping meat. slurping meat about the movie. We hope that it's great. That it's great. And um, now we'll see you back two and two. And two and two. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, do it. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Lamont, and I appreciate you sticking around for this ending message. You can find me at Vilcado on Instagram. Also, be sure to follow Horror Wars on all social media platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and everywhere in between. If you want to leave a horror question, comment, or say something about the show, please drop us an email at horrorwarspodcast at gmail.com. See you next time, and remember, keep it classy with a dash of slashy.